Thanks for tuning in to the Roundtable Podcast, Episode 37. Hello, friends. I'm Dave Robinson. And I'm Paul Ellard Cooley, filling in for Brian Humphrey. And you've tuned in to the Roundtable Podcast. Each week on the Roundtable Podcast, my handsome co-host and I, uh, whether it be Brian Humphrey or the mighty Paul Ellard Cooley, handsome, uh, invite writers to come onto the show and pitch a story idea to us and our esteemed guest host. Uh, and then we dive into it, we massage it, we, we tease it out of its shy shell and dress it in bright silks with feathers and tambourines and make it all bright and sparkly so it can stride down the middle of Main Street naked. It has so much confidence, ultimately seeking that ever-elusive literary gold. Are you off your meds? <laughs> well, Brian has set such a high bar for for that what we do with the story. Every every episode he comes up with something new and and I'm I'm just trying to follow in his footsteps and I'm really not sure I'm succeeding. <laughs> I don't know, man. I got the, the idea of a stripper walking around with a feather boa. See, well, okay. I guess we can go there. And then, you know, depending on our guest writer's story, that may or may not be appropriate. But yeah, we'll, we'll go there when we go there. Um, Paul, thank you so much, man, for, for stepping up and being my co-host for this episode. I really appreciate it. You're very welcome. My pleasure. Dude, you have a lot going on in your own life, right? You've got, you've got all kinds of stuff floating around out there. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. Busy, tell us. Tell us. It's a busy life, man. What you got? We just uh, released Scrolls last month, which is uh, book four in the Garaga's Children series. Pretty much wraps up everything. And I tell you, well, wraps up everything for the BCE era. And I tell you how the Library of Alexandria really burned in 48 BCE. Awesome. That story is available via uh, free serialized podcast from my site, um, ebook at all major retailers, and uh, you can even get the unabridged audiobook from my site as well. That's fabulous. In, in addition to that, I'm working on a, um, a novella slash novel for Dark Overlord Media. Now, for be, our listeners that may not know uh, the Dark Overlord, brief, brief intro on that. New York Times bestselling author Scott Sigler has tapped me to write a book in his Galactic Football League universe. How badass is that? That's fabulous. Oh, it's absolutely an honor, a privilege, and it's very terrifying for me. It's all good <laughs> stuff. Um, so that, that story should hopefully be coming out in, uh, 2013 yeah. and, uh, all I will say is it involves dinosaurs in the far future. <laughs> and after that, uh, I'm working on the, uh, Christmas present for the fiendlings, yes! which will be the third story in my street series, which is basically take Sesame street completely twisted around, inject pulp fiction and, uh, um, new Jack city. And uh, lots of 30s war, and that's what happens. And it's all narrated by Oscar the Grouch. And I can promise you that in this next series, Animal from The Muppet Show will be making an appearance. Ha, 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 Animal! Ha, ha, ha! Awesome! Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that's fabulous, man. I, I So much goodness to look forward to. I, I, uh, I'm all a Twitter. <laughs> so, um, and, and speaking of all a Twitter, uh, uh, what do you, what do you, what say we, uh, uh, introduce our guest host for this workshop episode? Hey, that sounds like a plan, man. I like it myself. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, dear friends, once again, Stoker award nominee, author of 
the short story collection Drink for the Thirst to Come, author of the novel Just North of Nowhere, host of Tales to Terrify, uh, but not a horror writer. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> please welcome back to the big chair at the round table, Mr. Lawrence Centoro. Larry, thank you so much for joining us this evening and helping us workshop a story, sir. We greatly appreciate it. Thank you for having me, Dave. Oh, it's, it's our pleasure, sir. Is the, is the chair comfy? Yes. <laughs> um, Larry, uh, we, we like to take this opening segment and uh, uh, let you share with our listeners uh, the goodness that is coming from the desk of Lawrence Santoro. Uh, what do you have coming up or coming out or uh, occurring in the next weeks and months ahead uh, that we can look forward to? Well, it's kind of confusing right now. I'm working on three novels at present. Uh, they all have names, but those names could change at any minute. Uh, a couple of years ago now, I did a novella for Tony over at the Starship uh, called Lord Dickens' Declaration. And we are now talking to some people in New York about the possibility of that coming out as a novel, uh, hopefully in a year or so. That's outstanding. Yeah. And then there's... Uh, Hogs Mountain Manor, which is getting out of hand. It's a <laughs> it is now becoming a novella, which could end up as a novel. Then there is the Mark Twain thing that I'm doing, where Mark Twain, as a boy, meets an astronaut who comes hurling out of the sky and lands in the middle of the river. Uh, and there's a lot of confusion about time shifting and so forth. Anyway, there's that and a couple of other things. Uh, Everything is in process right now. Uh, the two books that I've got out right now, Just North of Nowhere and Drink for the Thirst to Come, are still out there. And, of course, I'm still doing weekly. It seems like I do it every day. Uh, <laughs> to terrify uh, here on the uh, District of Wonders Network. And uh, that's kind of it. That's okay. kind of do, you, uh, do you attend conferences or conventions at all? I just got back from uh, the World Science... Well, I got back. I, I, I went downtown. I was going to say, you live in Chicago. Come on. We stayed at the hotel. That was grand, grand sport. And we hope we might be picking up the Hugo for the Starship, but we did not. Uh, but you have in the past. Yeah, no, Tony did, anyway. I mean, yeah. Tony... I, I didn't. I didn't. No. no I didn't. <laughs> but you're not bitter. There's, there's so many opportunities for Hugo in the future, Larry. I, I did get to go to the Hugo Losers Party, though. <laughs> <laughs> How was that? It was grand fun. It was good. The Texas delegation put it together, and they had lots of great grub, and everybody was there anyway, so it wasn't just the losers. I mean, Excellent. Excellent. Well, Larry, I will make sure that all of that gets into the liner notes so that our listeners can be uh, aware of stuff that's coming up for you. And, and if you would, feel free to keep us informed of these developments, uh, and we'll post them to not only this, this post for this, this episode, but also in the Roundtable website as well, because we want people to know what's going on in your world. And I want to mention this, too. I will be at the World Fantasy Convention, uh, what is it, November... Beginning of November, it's right after Halloween. Uh, that's in Toronto. And I, I'm doing something up there. I don't know if I'm in a, doing some panels or I'm doing a reading. I probably, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> that, 
do, do you have a personal assistant? <laughs> <laughs> now might be the time to invest in one. <laughs> <laughs> I've reduced him to a pile of, 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 of giggles. It did. Uh, it, it, I won't even share with you. Okay. All right. That, that's for another 20 minutes with then. Very good. Well, gentlemen, here, here's what I propose. Uh, I propose that we take a short pause uh, uh, to, to share some of this valuable airtime with another awesome podcast or fabulous ebook. Uh, and when we return, we shall workshop a story. What say you? Excellent. I, yes, I, I, I couldn't agree more. So, dear friends, don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. The Flames. Any who step through may stride across the world and beyond. A precious, precious few, the ferrymen, can guide you true through any flame and emerge from a crossing as young and strong as when first the flame kissed them. Fleets travel space for lifetimes, reach new worlds, challenge the black between galaxies, all thanks to the ferrymen. But is there a price hidden in the ferryman's fire? A science fiction anthology featuring Matthew Sanborn Smith, J. Daniel Sawyer, Ed Robertson, Patrick McLean, Nathan Lowell, Brand Gamblin, Jason Andrew Bond, Jake Bible, and John Miro. Learn more at servingworlds.com. Walk the fire. The universe awaits. May the ferryman take you. Welcome back, and now it's time for the workshop segment. Dave, please introduce today's victim, I mean guest. <laughs> that is awesome, Oscar. <laughs> yes, indeed, Oscar, you're so absolutely right. It is that time, because the Roundtable Podcast is nothing without a courageous and creative guest writer to come into the show, uh, sit down at the table, and share a story with us, and and... This evening's guest writer has been ravenously consuming audible dramas for over four years. Uh, and recently, he decided it was time to give a little back to the community. And so he created, get your pencils ready, kids, audiodramareviews.com, where each week he posts a new audio drama review. He also mixes audio, or slings waves, as we say in the back streets, uh, at Misfits Audio. No, we don't say that, but uh, he does mix audio at Misfits Audio, uh, an online audio drama company. Uh, the most recent work that he's done is an episode in their anthology, Strange Stories, titled The Touch. Please welcome a bold gentleman and perhaps the youngest guest uh, we've had on the show in our brief history, Mr. Michael Berganzi. Michael, thank you so much man for stepping up and offering a story we really appreciate it i'm almost there <laughs> <laughs> no uh, come closer michael come closer it's okay <laughs> michael uh dude how did you uh it, it seems like you've got creative uh, uh impulses just firing willy-nilly inside of you when did you when did you get into the the, the writing side of things i do not know actually so yeah <laughs> Just started, picked up a pencil and started writing? I guess so, yeah, as far as you can remember. That's how it's done. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> indeed, indeed. Well, awesome. And uh, I, I'm going to trust and assume that you, you brought a story for the workshop this evening? Get the money? <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait, that's supposed to go the other way around there, bro. 
<laughs> yes, yeah, the got, check yeah, is yeah. in the mail. Jeez, God, now we're being extorted by our guest writers. Holy crap. That's bad. Okay, when you're getting extorted by the guest writers, we're, we're really doing something wrong. <laughs> yep. Uh, well, okay. Um, assuming that my check doesn't bounce, Michael, uh, we're going we're gonna to turn the mic over to you for five to eight minutes, all right? Give us the title, the genre, the format, whether it's going to be a short story, a novella, a series of novels, whatever you envision, introduces to the world, introduces to the main characters, and then give us some basic story points as you see them in the in the idea as you've developed it, and we'll start workshopping. All right. Okay. All right. The mic is all yours, my friend. All right. So the story is called Locked. It is a fantasy slash supernatural adventure novel. The tagline is, "While traveling through hell." Cindy learns that all her notions of the place are dead wrong, and that a prophecy involving e- either her or her brother threatens to destroy heaven, hell, and earth. The protagonist is obviously Cindy. Uh, she's a scientist as well as a Christian. She believes in a black and white morality kind of world. Uh, Cindy's brother, Luke, believes in God. However, his belief in God is that he is not all-loving and all that stuff, and that he uses hum- humans as his playthings. Their mother's death is what ca- made him like that. He is very left brain oriented Wrath is one of the mentor characters. He's the Vindexor of Hell, which, which is a title that means guardian, protector, what have you, of hell, pretty much. He is the demon father of Cindy and Luke. Then there's Gabriel the Sixth, the sixth incarnation of Gabriel, who is the Desitor of Heaven, which the same thing is just the just for heaven kind of thing. Uh, he follows the fall from grace archetype like, like Satan did. He thinks God is lazy. Uh, and then there's Nadasharo. And he is the former ruler of all hell, and Raz's former mentor. He trains Cindy in the art of pyrotation, and pyrotation is a magic system that makes the Blue Potter Network and Harry Potter look simple comparison. Finally, there is Felerick, who is an angel scientist who is banished to the py- pyro space. The story begins when Cindy wakes up in a strange room. She has no idea where she is or how she got there. She meets Wrath, who explains that she is in Sinkota, one of the two regions of hell. And for Sakota, think gear punk slash steampunk kind of world. Cindy's main motivation of the book is to escape hell and return home. In the living realm, Cindy's brother Luke begins to hear voices. One of them tells them that he's the new sanctum of Earth. Luke hears Cindy's prayers to escape and transports himself to Sankota. Wrath becomes worried and confused by the prophecy when he learns that they're both related, Cindy and Luke that is. What the prophecy says is that a child of both human and demon blood will become a vessel for the king of hell, to possess and destroy all three realms, which are heaven, hell, and earth. Gabriel the Sixth meets with Lucinox, who is the king of Sincota, and they discuss the event that occurred that Cindy cannot remember in the first scene. They plan to steal the keys of the apocalypse, the key, and the keys are called the Eliquium, the key of closing, and the Operitis, the key of opening. Uh, Luke begins researching the two keys of the apocalypse, and discovers that Gabriel has stolen them recently. Luke travels back to Cindy in Wrath, the three of them travel to Impura, this, which is the second region of hell. And Impira is like, kind of like feudal Japan of hell kind of thing. The civil war between impurities, which are demons created by angels, and sinners is revealed. On their way to Impira, the three are stopped by Gabriel, and Wrath fights Gabriel while Cindy and Luke continue on without him. Wrath is sent to Pyrospace, and Pyrospace is a place of eternal suffering, the true hell, if you will. Wrath meets one of the angel scientists named Felerick, who created the impurities in the first place, he reveals that Wrath is an impurity himself. We also learn about Felix's backstory and how he winded up there in Pyrospace. Cindy and Luke arrive in Impura and are greeted by Nadasharo. 
Sydney begins her training with using pyrotation, while Luke becomes increasingly suspicious of Natasharo. After learning that Natasharo is the true king of hell, Luke concludes that he is the bad guy. He takes Sydney away from, away from Impera, and soon afterwards, Sydney is captured by Gabriel. Wrath escapes the pyro space, using one of Felric's inventions. He meets up with Luke and the journey to Sincota. On their way there, however, the gates of heaven are locked and the gates of hell are opened. In the final act, Luke is revealed to be the vessel and the king of hell has been Lucifer, aka Felric, all along. Luke, Luke is possessed by Lucifer. All sanctorum powers he had are returned to him. And Wrath is killed and Sidney must defeat her brother and save the all three worlds. Okay. There may be some questions. Sure, sure. There may be lots of questions. Good, excellent. I think I think there's there's definitely something to to hook into there, and some some questions to be pursued, and some some character fodder to be dug into. Um, so before we do that, uh, Michael, here is our standard disclaimer. Uh, uh, during the next uh, forty five minutes or so, you're going to hear many ideas, many what ifs, many suggestions, uh, brilliant or otherwise. Uh, and no matter how bright and shiny they may sound, it's entirely possible that they are all complete and utter bullshit. This is your story. Uh, you've invited us to play in your playground for a while, and we're very grateful for that opportunity. Um, but never mistake the fact that this is your story to write. Take from this what you will. Does that make sense? Yep. Excellent. All right. So I have questions. Paul, you have questions. Larry, you've got questions, I'm sure. Um, so... One time around the table, just real quick, for initial impressions uh, and some initial questions of clarification. We'll, we'll lead off with our uh, esteemed guest host. So, Larry, what were your first impressions of, of Michael's story idea, and what questions might you have that might help tie it together for you a little more clearly? Well, Michael, I, first of all, I, I think this is a really interesting, fascinating idea, um, I don't pretend to understand all the words you used. Uh, and I suspect I would grow to know what they are as, as the book progressed. Let me ask you this. Is, this. is this going to be a novel? Is it going to be a trilogy in your head right now? Is it ideally one book complete and then out or what? Right now it's kind of one book and maybe more, I guess, in the, in the series, I guess. I'm not quite sure myself, whatever, so... What it's seeming to me right now is a, a sort of epic journey, uh, a quest story, uh, as we find in so many medieval fantasies, Lord of the Rings kind of things, uh, only set in hell, which is a really interesting idea. Uh, all the words you used, I do not understand them. Are they... Are they words you are creating, or are they words uh, that from scripture or something? No, the actual words I created the words, so yeah. Okay, great. Uh, uh, I, you know, what can I say? What What was your goal in writing this in the first place? Where did What did you want to create? A horror tale? Is it a tale of a heroic? fantasy this sort of the second one he said and also with a little bit of um the brother sister relationship aspect of the whole thing okay. yeah yeah all right okay good um paul what about your first impressions and first questions um i think the i think 
basically agree with Larry. It does sound a bit epic here. I guess the first questions I have are, what age group are you targeting for this? Probably young adult, I'm guessing. Yeah. For for what now? Young adult, I'm guessing. Young yeah. adult, okay. Yeah. And uh, I guess another question: How do you how do you see the main characters working here? We have we have Cindy and Luke. It sounds like we're gonna they're gonna carry the bulk of the story. Mm. Um, but I, I got confused on some of the names here. Is there a third that would also be carrying a lot of the tale? Probably Wrath. There are four POV yeah. characters. There are Gabriel, Wrath, Cindy, and Luke. Okay. Yeah. So Wrath would be the other one. All right. And uh, when when you when you look at this, when you think about this, are you planning on I mean, what? Do you have a plan for what kind of narrator you're talking about? Um, is this going to be a um, uh, a very omniscient narrator? Okay, so you're going to be limited to whatever character is is in the main chapter. Yep, or scene. Yep. Okay. All right. That's what I got for the moment. Okay. Going to be a third person uh, point of view, right? Yes. Yes, limited. Yep. Okay. Cool. And have each segment be narrated by that central character. Cindy will have a chapter where it's from her point of view, and then Luke, and then uh, what's the name of the Guardian of Hell? Uh, uh, Wrath. H R T H. Yeah. Okay. So, is it, it? Will we see different points of view at different times, or will it all be the one voice uh, that carries us through from beginning to end? Um, now I'm not sure what you mean by that. Consistent uh, narrator, and basically, or is the narrator's flavor of telling the story going to change depending on which character he's telling it from? I think it's like Larry. I so, yes, yeah. I think, think so, yeah. Okay. okay. Is that what you meant, Larry? Yeah, but I also meant, is it, it, you know, sometimes we have stories in which, a novel, for example, in which each chapter uh, f- is told by that person who figures prominently in that chapter or within that 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 uh arc of the of the book so that at one point we have cindy telling the story and then the next chapter might be luke or wrath or somebody else Mm. it gives us it, it it lets you as the writer kind of take the same moment and see it from different angles that's all i just wondered if that had ever if that had crossed your mind you just keep it straight through uh third person he did this they did that she did this she went there etc okay well and there's also you know that third person close where you can still have that third person omniscience but focus on cindy for one chapter luke for another and you still get that that benefit of that perspective of each person's thoughts and and responses to whatever's happening. Mm. So, uh, Michael, my first impressions, first of all, echoing what Paul and Larry have said, um, yeah, this the setting that you have laid out and and the the world building that you have done uh, thus far in this in this story structure is is fabulous and rich. Uh, and, and Larry, I specifically, I, I really liked the uh, the notion of the the fantasy epic uh, taking place as they move through hell. I think that's that's got a lot of lot of good fan, good good literary legs to work with. Um, one thing, uh, Michael, I think might be something just to be aware of. Um, I think you've done a lot of work in the world building. 
Uh, and, and that shows very significantly. You clearly have a good sense of how these different realms and regions and the, the different hierarchies and ranks of these various angels and demons interplay and interconnect with each other. Um, what, I'm, what I'm hoping I think we might want to do for this workshop is focus a little more on the characters and their motivations within the story. Um, Cindy's motivation, for example, to uh, get out of hell uh, that's, that's a good initial, uh, motivation, but mm-hmm. it's, it's not, I don't, I'm not sure it's strong enough to sustain a reader's interest throughout the story. Um, uh, if, if typically when you're in hell, there's usually, uh, some sort of metaphor, not a metaphor, but there's, there's something that you're working through. Hell is, is for punishment. Hell is for, uh, 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 the the grinding away of of the callous darkness that you've acquired in life, and the fact that Cindy isn't dead but finds herself here uh, uh, implies there might be something more going on. Uh, and I'd like each of us to to maybe dig into some of these characters and find some of that. The other interesting thing that struck me was that you've got Cindy being uh, uh, a very devout Christian and a scientist as well, uh, whereas Luke uh, uh, seems to have a very different view of God uh, than Cindy does, and that could lead to some interesting conflict and tension between them. Yep. Um, One question that I had was Cindy wakes up in hell uh, in scene one. Why? Uh, Let's see. She is, uh, let's see, Gabriel the Sixth, who is, who is pre- pretending to be someone else, was about to capture her and take her to um, Lucinox to do crazy, to, um, to basically possess her, try to possess, possess her body. Why? Because he thinks that he is the true king of hell and that he will be the one to be resurrected in, in her body. Okay, and is Gabriel going to be going along? Is, is, is he part of the Scooby gang that's making their way through hell along with <laughs> oh, no, he's, and he's, Luby he's and an City? antagonist. He's an antagonist. He's an antagonist. Okay, very yep. good. Very good. Okay. Um, so, so Cindy is transported to hell. Uh, uh, she is confronted by wrath. She actually, she actually said breath before whatever, but she can't remember anything before that. So, yeah. Okay. All right. So she wakes up and doesn't know how she got there. Exactly. Yeah. But, but actually I hate it when that happens. Yeah, exactly. Yep. (laughs) Is she dead? Uh, no, she's not dead yet. No, not yet. At least. Okay. Okay. I'm not dead yet. All right, very good. Um, so, I, like I say, you've, you've got what I'm seeing is is some very cool events, uh, but unsupported by character desire and motivation. Um, mm. I, I get uh, Gabriel wants to be the the big guy of hell. Uh, Heaven, you must be. You must be big guy everywhere, pretty much. But yeah. Okay, so he's 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 making a land grab for all the spiritual real estate. Yep. Um, nice. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, Wrath, as guardian of hell, is taking his job very seriously and trying to prevent that from happening because Gabriel is directly uh, uh, coming up against his mandate, which is to guard hell. Correct. Yes and no. There's a little bit more to that, but yeah. Okay, what 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 more is there? Uh, let's see. I'm trying to think of it now. Uh, hmm. Well, more Wrath's character is basically that um, that since uh he yes his his job is, is to protect the balance between all three realms, heaven, hell, and earth, and that he's still in conflict with himself, 
in that he has to decide whether or not to kill Cindy or Luke, who is the vessel who will be used to destroy the world. Okay. Now, and he is Cindy and Luke's father, right? Yes, the demon, demon father, yeah. All right. Um, now, Wrath apparently then isn't just the guardian of hell. He's the guardian of all creation. Not create. No, it's like, yes, break the balance. Like, is his job to help, help the other three break the balance of the world? And since no one else is actually there to help him at all, he has to do it by himself pretty much. Then let me, let me offer this one what if. Just to sure. just to try and balance to to give things in, uh, having Gabriel want everything and having Wrath be the guardian of everything is a little pat. That's a that's a very clear and easy conflict for those two to be in. Um, mm. What if you make Wrath just the guardian of Hell and have him through the course of the story? Uh, uh, maybe he's never actually gotten to know Luke and Cindy all that much, and through the course of the story, he discovers. Uh, almost a paternal feeling that maybe he wasn't even aware was there. Uh, and he actually chooses to supersede his mandate and decide that at some point, you know, something happens where Gabriel's making a move and if wrath just covers hell, heaven and earth will be in Gabriel's hands and, and you know, the guardian of hell shouldn't care about that, but have him care, have him step beyond what he was and have him grow as a character to say, no, I am going to take on this role and I'm going to protect everything. Oh uh, yeah. I actually had that idea a while back or whatever and everything like that. So yeah, I'm going to put it in there now. Okay, cool. Awesome. I, can I ask a question. What is sure. demon father? Basically just means that they're, um, Let's see. Demon Father is uh, uh how do I explain it? <laughs> he got busy with their mama. Basically, yeah, in a nutshell. And then yeah, they're Nephilim. Is they're that- like half human. They have half human blood and half human blood in them, pretty much. Cindy and Luke. Oh, Cindy and Luke are in fact half demon. Yes, exactly. Yep. Yet she is a devout, or at well, least- she doesn't know the time. She doesn't know that at the time, though. She this is like this all happens like before or after kind of thing. How does this experience of waking up in hell and then finding that hell isn't really what it's all about, uh, what you think of it is, Yep. and that she is half-demon, does she find that out right away, or is that she something? She finds out a little bit later in Act 1, I think, that she finds out that she's a demon in a little bit in Act 1. How hmm. does this cause her to reassess her goal? Her goal is to get out of hell. I mean, my assumption, if I woke up in hell, would be, oh, God, I'm dead. What do I do? Uh, uh, And a a Christian knows that, well, you can't come back from dead. There's only one guy that ever did that, and, well, he ain't here. So uh, (laughs) I'm just wondering that, that somehow, as we've suggested, that goal of getting out of hell has to change, and I really love the idea of having the demon father have a kind of limited power, uh, and in fact, omniscient, omnipotent uh, uh, characters are really boring. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah, definitely. Like Superman. Uh, anyway, never mind. Uh, I agree with you. <laughs> Screw that guy. <laughs> so I, I love the idea of him having of everybody's goals changing through the course of this this epic move that they must make across the face of hell uh that everybody comes out of it at the other end with a 
totally different perspective and viewpoint than they began it with, which, you know, that's, that's what a book is about. Yeah, it's classic so, hero's yeah. journey goodness, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah and there's absolutely nothing wrong with even making the... Uh, Making him into an antihero, so to speak, and uh, you know, using using that f uh, to to basically round out the character. I mean, there's there's no reason why he can't absolutely positively despise Earth and Heaven and have no issues with them getting destroyed as long as his little hell doesn't. And maybe over time, because of uh, getting to know uh, Cindy or seeing what she's doing and everything else, starting to get a little bit of a respect for those other realms. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now, let me ask you, Michael, Luke, uh, Luke apparently has been being tutored in the dark arts. Has Cindy at all been tutored in the dark arts? Well, Luke hasn't been tutored in the dark arts. He's basically just a bookworm in general kind of thing. But he learns pyro... pyro no, that's Cindy. That's Cindy. He doesn't learn anything like that. No, that's Cindy learns that. How does Luke then get to hell to rescue Cindy? That's part of his new powers as an Atorum. He basically does a Baxen in, in, in the first place. He does a Baxen in the first time, but then he learns to control his powers after that kind of okay, thing. Okay, whoa, whoa, whoa. Oh, sorry. Whoa. Okay. Whoa. Luke, Luke begins without powers. He, yes, and then he gets power soon after that. How does he and get his powers? They're inherited, they're inherited too by him, by um, Lucifer kind of thing. It's basically inherited by the, by the person person game before him, What is be the, Lucifer. What is the catalyzing event that suddenly awakens these powers. Not quite sure yet, but yeah, I know this has to be. I know this has to be one out, but not quite sure yet. Okay, so basically, Cindy wakes up in hell. Luke, are Luke and Cindy close outside in the real world before all this mayhem happens? Mm, I don't think so. No, not in my head at least. Okay, um, then why does Luke want to go find Cindy if they're not all that close? I guess some more responsibility, I guess, kind of thing. Yeah, I'm not quite sure exactly. Yeah, that's yeah. weak. That's weak. Exactly. Yeah, I know. That's I know. No, they gotta be. They gotta. They gotta be friends. They gotta. They, there has to be some reason for you know. We now we can paint this a lot of different ways. Maybe Cindy, mm -hmm. as a scientist, maybe she's an archaeologist, and she's un. She's found some tome, some medallion, something that's important. Uh, uh, and Luke, maybe you know, what does Luke do in the real world? He is a kind of like a moocher kind of thing. You blaze off the scissor pretty much. So yeah. Uh, so maybe maybe she's uh, got something, and and Luke has a has a back end deal with a with a, a shady art dealer who says, "Hey, dude, steal this this ceremonial dagger from your sister, and uh, I'll give you ten thousand bucks." And, I, I like that. And uh, uh, Luke says, "Okay, sure, awesome." And uh, uh, goes to see his sister, and she's gone. Not only is she gone, but there's the stench of brimstone and a blackened smear <laughs> in the middle of the of the of the carpet or something. Yeah, I don't you know, know. It smells like Cleveland. Smell exactly. Yes. <laughs> there you go. Uh, there. Say what? <laughs> well, I wonder how he gets to hell. So, so we need it. Yeah, we need some kind of catalyzing event that awakens Luke's. Uh, birthright. Um, and I'm wondering if Gabriel doesn't do that for him. That's what I was suggesting. He might be brought there as a counterpoise to whatever it is that Wrath wants to do with Cindy, that the opposition takes him and sends him there 
to mess that situation up. Sure. Or or maybe Luke and Cindy need to be together and awaken to their power to a certain point, and then while they're still vulnerable, Gabriel can suck their souls or whatever it is that he does to achieve that that unholy power that will allow him to to take over everything. Mm-hmm. So it's in it's in Gabriel's best interests to, you know, Wrath apparently has has moved to block Gabriel uh, by pulling Cindy out of play and keeping her quote unquote safe uh, in hell. Uh, gee, thanks, Dad. Um, <laughs> uh, and and Gabriel, in order to keep things in play, uh, awakens Luke's powers maybe prematurely, uh, and Luke. Because his first thought is, where's my sister? His wild powers yank him to his sister's side. And now he can't get back because he doesn't know how. Yeah. And now yeah. Wrath is pissed because, oh, great. I was trying to fix things. Now they're now now we're all in danger again. And I don't want to tell you guys too much, but we got to get the hell out of here. Let's go. <laughs> yep. Is, uh, does Cindy have to be impregnated? Is that what has to happen? No. Has, oh, no, no. Nothing like oh. that, no. I have the impression that earlier that you said that there was going to have to be a mating between human and demons and bring forth somebody who would become the king of hell. Well, the, the, the prophecy, however, 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 the prophecy I've written down or whatever says, uh, can't think of exactly, exactly word for word is it or whatever, but um, it says that the, the king of hell, who is Lucifer, but they don't know that, know that at the time. Uh-huh. Will um will possess either Cindy or Luke. They don't know who they don't know who at the time until the very end, kind of thing. Yeah. And yeah. Okay, so there's there's room to play with there. Oh, definitely, yeah. And 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 the more the more uh, uh, poetic your prophecy, the more room as an author you have to to work with different shadings and nuances of words and terms. You know, the 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 fall of the the sacred twins. Uh, uh, could be the fall from grace. It could be their death. It could be any number of things. So, so it's. I. This is interesting that you have, you have Lucifer. Uh, yet he is not necessarily a significant character. Or he is, is in the he is in the middle of Act Two, pretty much. But yeah, sort of uh, beginning Act Two, middle of Act Two, kind of thing. Yeah, big white whale that's out there somewhere. That uh, <laughs> he's basically. Um, I mentioned I mentioned Felric before. I think, but if you didn't hear him, but. Name, He's an angel scientist named Felerick, and he's basically Lucifer in disguise, pretty much. Why? Why because, is Lucifer um, in disguise? Because he was trapped in power space, which is the pe- which is the reason the people think is hell, but not really hell at all. How did he get trapped in pyro space? The um the re- the chapters in Revelation actually came true and everything, and they basically reset the world after that. So well, say it again. Say that Sorry. again slowly. Yep. In the in the Revelation book of Re- in the book of Revelations, uh. All that stuff. When he's catching like a when he's catching like a fire, Lucifer is. Um, basically, the world is reset, and he's trapped there, pretty much. And basically, he's a wandering, he's a wandering soul, pretty much. Basically, in a nutshell. So wait, so Revelations has already happened in the book. Yes, it's, it's dude. It's, you it's need to point. you need you need to that, that right there. That's your tagline, right? <laughs> right there. That is your freaking tagline. Holy crap! In the aftermath of Revelations, oh my God, Paul. To you, yeah. sir. Hmm. All I can say is yikes. <laughs> <laughs> well, exactly. I mean, there's there's got to be some rich food there for for some storytelling mojo, right? Mm-hmm. So, are you planning on having the world just like be a big cinder? I mean, what's what's going no, on? No, the here? world's the world's reset. Actually, the world's reset after that for another reset. 
So so it's been basically it's been completely reset to some other time period that didn't previously exist. Basically, it's reset to the to the moment before, like about a thousand years. Um, let's see, I'm trying to think of the exact time period, but um, it's reset to the to a point of like um, to the point of infancy, kind of thing, and then th- then thousand years later, whatever, or how many how many years it takes to Earth to be the actual the actual be the place it was before before the accident, kind of thing. So, why do that? It, why? why just, let me let me propose an alternative. Why I, not? Why wait the thousand years? Why not? I mean, oh God, what rich storytelling opportunities you had! This is right after the reset, uh, or, well, or or maybe like a generation after the reset. Just just you know maybe <laughs> fifty or sixty years, so that the memory is still fresh, or rather the lack of memory. So what if? Ooh, what if Cindy and Luke being demon spawn, and what if a collection, just a, just a few people in the world, actually remember Revelations, and everybody else on the planet doesn't. Nah, yeah, like we're going with that. Okay. And how many times has the Earth been reset? <laughs> yeah, well, point. yeah, I just went so far, I think, yeah. Exactly. Just so far. I mean, I, I think, Michael, I mean, just in terms of story hook, and, and because you, you're dealing with, you're dealing with the powerful, and I, and I use this term very, very carefully, mythology. Mm-hmm. Um, when you're dealing, everyone, everyone on the planet has a conception of Christianity, of, of revelations, of Satan, of God, of angels and demons. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the opportunity that I think you have here is, is not just for a, a, a D and D romp through hell where Lucifer is a 12 hit die monster, but actually maybe exploring a little bit of, you know what happens after the world is torn after after the story ends and we discover that actually no the story doesn't end it continues and because it's in its infancy now gabriel is in a position to make his move now he can rewrite the story and be the the big kahuna of everything and that that because things are so fresh and new, the, the mortar still hasn't set in the new world. Uh, uh, and because of that, then maybe magic is a little more prevalent too. Maybe demons are a little more active in the world. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I might be rambling here. Larry, what, what's, what's striking you for this? I'm thinking that why not consider this three books Book one is preventing the apocalypse, stopping revelations from taking place. That fails. Book two is what you just said. Book three is a return to something like, well, not a return, but a more successful resetting. Of the sure. world. A, a jumping of the tracks, maybe. We're, we've, we're stuck in this loop of, of life, evolution, revelation, reset. Life, evolution, revelation, reset. And mm-hmm. we break that cycle in the third book. It'll be done in, in one book, but it seems like a lot of material to cover in, in one book. Oh, definitely, yeah. I like what? the idea somehow of Lucifer having a goal that he is distant and and a vast figure that is trapped somehow but wants to break out and wrath 
is his servant, yet doesn't really want him to succeed in doing what he wants to do because he knows that's somehow going to screw up everything. And so he's the faithful servant, doesn't particularly want his boss to succeed. Uh, Moby Dick has a character. Uh, which one is that? Uh, the, the first mate who's uh, Ahab's, who keeps trying to stop Ahab from going after the whale. Starbuck, yes. yes. Uh, that would give some tension within hell and having our two human, uh, human demon uh, pair siblings be, yeah, have them be kind of pawns within a bigger battle that they don't see. Initially. Yeah, initially. Yep. Become aware of as the story progresses. So, I yeah, mean, I like that. That's a good structure. Yep. Paul, what else you got, man? I think that... Uh, I think you do you, you you do have quite a bit of of uh, material to work here. I like the I like Larry's idea of the trilogy in this this yeah. particular animal. Yeah, what do you I think like about that, Michael? Is that something you might be willing to bite into? I thought of a trilogy a little bit in the past, over and everything like that. And um, I decided that if I do a trilogy, the second book would probably be with the third book of what Larry said, pretty much. So yeah. Okay. Okay. What do you think about going back to uh, uh, to the Revelation reset uh, in book one? Does that does that? I, I'm asking purely just because it'll it'll help determine where we riff from this point forward. Is that something you think we want to pursue, or shall we just stick with the story that we've got? I think just kind of a backstory kind of thing, and you know, every time really important to the actual. Yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. Go ahead, Paul. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt, man. No. Oh, no. No worries. Um. If you're going to do the trilogy, you've got some interesting uh, possibilities in uh, how to do this. And one thing I wrote down that's just kind of crazy is uh, it depends on how you wanted to go with this, but there's absolutely no reason why you couldn't have God as the narrator. <laughs> yeah, I, was, I was thinking that too. I have Dace is mocking at the very end. Yeah, I know, really. <laughs> well, and, and it doesn't even have to be Deus Akmakine. It's just, you know, he set the framework in place or it set the framework in place and it's just yep. sitting back and watching it, um, you know, roll off the tracks and then basically <laughs> going, oh, well, this is going to be interesting. And maybe every <laughs> once in a while, instead of helping things, just add more chaos. <laughs> you know, and maybe, maybe, maybe that, I mean, that's the kind of thing I would do as the theme masters, just, you know, have God sitting there throwing down lightning bolts and just to make things more interesting. <laughs> doesn't really have to have a resolution from that standpoint if you're talking about higher beings or just play things anyway yep uh, so uh it, it just it's just a wild ass idea that uh i wanted to throw out there what would i say larry it's the narrator that's that's makes third person omniscient a natural you can do some really interesting things as with with we don't we don't mention that it's God. We find out that it's God way down the line somewhere. Mm -hmm. But God as kind of the writer of the story, uh, which is, I guess, what God is. Yes. Well, I'm I'm, I'm I hate to go here, but I'm actually thinking of the movie Dogma. <laughs> yes. And and about how in that movie God occasionally goes down to earth to play skee-ball and uh <laughs> not uh, uh I, I, and that's that's the end of the similarity right there but the notion of god 
as as God, I'm not even Willing sure what I'm trying to say. Participant in the chaos. Well, no, I, and innocent in the chaos. Yes, you know, uh, not necessarily trapped inside of his world, but it's one of those things where he set the machine in motion eons ago, and then came down and has lived here through it all while it continues to run as he set it up. It's kind of like in Supernatural, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I guess it has that vibe to it. But but then but then 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 we can play with the notion of the machine running down and God having forgotten. You know, the the mechanism of prayer and faith and all of that stuff is still in place. It still works. There's still a, a higher being up there within which all of this is playing out. But the the consciousness that everybody ascribes to it, you know, what if God was one of us, like a, a slob like one of us? Um, I hate to quote songs, but oh my just a God, thought. that was awful. I know, that was wretched. I Naraga will be visiting you. <laughs> Bummer. Now, uh, another thought that occurred to me while you were talking, Paul, was um, the notion of Lucifer hiding in Felerick, the angel scientist, really kind of caught my attention. Um, what if after this particular reset, Lucifer's kind of fed up with his current job position (laughs) and is actually seeking to be released from his, 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 his responsibilities as, as anchor of the darkness of the world, uh, and is actually fostering Gabriel in his efforts because, then he can get out. What this what what this creates, Michael, is the opportunity to have Satan as an ally for Luke and Cindy. Uh, uh, if if they can turn, if they can get Lucifer to stop backing Gabriel. Well, um, Lucifer, well, there's like a little bit problem I think with this this little bit, but um, basically Gabriel is a, is a secondary villain in comparison to Lucifer, pretty much. Lucifer is the main villain. Gabriel is kind of like a his, his little minion, psychic, whatever you want to call it. But they don't know each other to begin with, and everything. Well, I, I guess what I'm what I'm proposing then is um, make Gabriel the primary antagonist. Uh-huh. Make, make him, you know, the new Satan, the rebellious angel, who is not going to be satisfied with being cast out into hell. He wants heaven, hell, and everything in between. Um, and and Lucifer's actually okay with that, but he can't do that directly. He can't just say, I'm done, I'm walking. And yes, I know there's an echo to the to the Sandman comics uh, where, where <laughs> Lucifer basically said, here, Dream, you have the keys to hell. I'm out of here. Um, what I'm trying to do, Michael, is subvert your reader's expectations. Uh, everybody's oh, yeah. going to expect Lucifer to be the big bad. Yep. And if you make him not the big bad, if you ch- subvert that, you have created a new and dynamic meme, a, a new and dynamic uh, uh, paradigm in your story that separates it and distinguishes it from everyone else's. Oh, uh, yeah, I like that. Okay. Yep. So so I'm, I'm wondering if Lucifer maybe is, is backing Gabriel for his own selfish reasons, uh, uh, revealing to Gabriel these things. And this is something that Luke and Cindy can discover along the way um, with Wrath's arc of being guardian of hell and from an absentee Lucifer. So he's basically the de facto Lucifer, as you said. Mm. Um, you know, he, he doesn't want the job either. 
uh, but he's content to be a protector. And there's a lot of mojo in that protector vibe. And that's, that's the, that's the vector through which you can really foster that growing paternal impulse towards Luke and Cindy. Uh, uh, you know, let me, I, I, why, how, why did wrath sleep with a mortal woman and beget the children of prophecy in the first place? Uh, he basically fell in love pretty much, and yeah. Oh, crap! Oh, a demon who falls in love? Yep. Of course, oh, why not? He's yeah, why not? <laughs> no, I'm, absolutely. I'm, just, I'm going, yes, exactly. A wonderful subvertive, ver, subversive concept that you can totally rock with. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the fact that he is capable of love means that he's also capable of being a, a paternal figure and a protector for Luke and Cindy out of more than just duty, but out of genuine compassion. And yep. that makes him a compelling character. That's oh, awesome. And if you really wanted to be a jerk, <laughs> I'm a writer, so yeah. <laughs> you you you'd have had their mother killed by uh, one of the other other uh, higher beings in the story for having done that and having fostered Nephilim. Well, sure. You know, Gabriel Gabriel oh, okay. needs the blood of the mother to uh, uh, you know maybe Gabriel killed the mother after the children were born. In that moment, he went in and and and. D- destroyed her and, and took her blood or the femur of her left leg or whatever the the <laughs> relic is that's needed to to fulfill the the prophecy or you know, maybe there's a whole gathering of things that must come to pass as prophecies are wont to do uh, no. and and part of the adventure uh is Luke and Cindy discovering about the prophecy and interceding and trying to block the 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 ascent of Gabriel the fallen angel all right. Okay. Sure. Larry, you're you're quiet, sir. You must. I'm sure something's bubbling over there. Uh, no, no, no. I I like the idea. I I like the idea. I I I also like the idea, possibly, of actually resurrecting or finding whatever is left of the mother down Ooh. in hell. Oh, mm-hmm. mother spirit. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. I about yeah. Good. Good point. Yeah. Oh so, God. You, reassemble somehow the mother out of elements that they find bits of the soul here there everywhere and finally they do and invoke her spirit and and she has a piece of information that they that they need but also can answer questions that i mean luke is bitter uh, about his attitudes of god because of his mother's death mm. uh yep. so what a wonderful healing potentially healing moment uh, uh, t- for 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 Luke at that point, which could be his turning point in Boy. the in the story. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And he's against it. He doesn't want to. He's he. I can see Luke being really comfortable in his hatred and his angst and his his misery. God, don't make him an emo. But uh, oh, I know. <laughs> but but there are people who are more comfortable hating something than loving something. It's yep. easier. Uh, uh, and so he can be working against this, not overtly, but, you know, just emotionally distant from the process. And then, you know, there can be that, that crisis moment where he screams at Cindy, no, I don't want to do this. Let her stay dead. Uh, uh, I hate her. I don't want to see her, blah, blah, blah. Uh, and then at the invocation, you can have a, a wonderful healing. Yeah. Yep. Cindy is still weak for me, guys. Any ideas on what we can do to to give her a little more agency in this other than I'm doing what everybody else tells me to do? 
I think you can basically you're going to throw quite a few obstacles at her um, early on, and and uh, maybe even more than that, have her uh, struggling with uh, visions of the past or other things that are creeping in. Um, and you know, she's in hell after all, so uh, why not have some of that be be the uh, the torment that she's ex- uh, it, that she's basically going through there is is she can't figure out whether she's and you know what kind of reality she's exactly going through yeah i, I think there's some there's some mileage there, there's some legs there there's there's something to explore with her being a devout christian and an awakening in hell larry you had touched on that initially do you have any thoughts on how we could expand on that at all i don't I'll, only that i think her journey has to be the thing that energizes her i think that's what it is because she begins with a relatively weak position i'm here i want to get out uh it's understandable it's human but as the story goes along her goal that goal has to be shifted has to change completely uh and what that goal becomes i don't know uh yeah got to be something really kick-ass well, what if what what if she's the one to turn Lucifer somehow? What if what if when when it's revealed finally that Lucifer is the ultimate empowerer of Gabriel, that that somehow she has she's discovered or acquired some some strength or ability to to appeal to Lucifer? You know, oh God, maybe wrath wasn't the father of both of them. He thinks he was. But mm. what if Cindy is really Lucifer's daughter? Oh, well. Ooh, shiny. <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, uh, Cindy ultimately finds... I mean, there's differences between her and Luke. I mean, they're technically... They're supposed to be brother and sister, both fathered by wrath, but Luke's power is one thing. And Cindy's power doesn't seem to awaken or seems to have a different flavor or tone uh, as as they explore that. And, and just, God, even just the whole... Cindy, you must learn magic if you're going to survive this adventure. You know, it's hell magic. What? It's, no, I can't do that. Uh, uh, that that conflict of of asking her to betray the sanctity that she believes in the world. What, or what? even better yet, finding out because she's a Nephilim, she doesn't really have a soul. Ooh. Oh. Ooh. Ooh. Nice. That's evil. That is evil. Well, I am the fiend master. I can yeah. do that kind of shit. That's yep. that's a that's a dark twist, and that's yeah. And and if if you're gonna if you're gonna play that card, then Michael, you need to lay down the importance of a soul. Um, there needs to be. I mean, I, I think a lot of readers, you know, people tell me, "Ooh, you don't have a soul." It's like, what does that mean? Nobody oh, yeah, knows. Yeah. There's gonna need to be something in the story that illustrates the 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 sheer radiant beauty and power and and grace that is inherent in the human soul that makes it such a precious thing you know maybe it's it's the mechanics of the universe or, you know, or it could just be the fact that uh because of upbringing and everything else uh she's putting way too much she's putting way more prominence on it than it actually has um and because she's nephilim she's not really she and her brother are not really bound by the same uh, reality laws, if you will, but that uh, normal humans are, because there are, you know, part of the the higher workings of things. Well, and that, and yeah, and and then that can be what she has to come to grips with, 
is, is, is there a life without a soul? And maybe Lucifer can give her that. Maybe his perspective, because he's probably the highest ranking dude who is sentient and cogent uh, in the celestial hierarchy, maybe he can give her that sense of purpose, that, that scope of vision that allows her to see hope in her life without the soul. I don't know. Mm -hmm. There's also some other things you might want to consider, which is the, uh, um, the history of the word uh, daemon and uh, as it pertains to civilizations that came before uh, Judaism mm. uh, was around and see some of the things there. Because basically, uh, Nephilim and, and the idea of, uh, of daemons, daemons were angels and demons by our, our present deal, but they had no alignment, if you will. Yep. It was what they chose to be. So... Um, you, I think you're going to have to kind of pick your words, uh, how you, how you deal with this kind of, kind of carefully, because just because one of the, the, uh, angels fell into hell, so to speak, doesn't make them bad guys. They just thought that God was the wrong dude to be running the show. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's an excellent point, Paul. And that, and that opens up a whole different perspective on, on the morality of heaven and hell. Uh, right. And it's relevance in the context of the story. Gentlemen, I'm looking at the clock and I'm watching it tick down. Um, what I'd like to do at this point is, is take one last turn around the table and everybody uh, uh, give, give Michael a, a last piece of advice or a last thought or concept, uh, something he can tuck in his pocket and use uh, to help him write this epic tale. Larry, we'll, we'll start with you, sir. Last, last words of wisdom or suggestions or considerations. What I'd like you to consider is, what is religion in this context? Are we? I, I'm serious about it. I mean, you could look at it as a joke, but who... No, I don't look at it as a joke. That's an excellent point. Who are these people? Uh, Lucifer, uh, etc. Are they... Are they demonic? Are they angelic? Are they from some spiritual realm that applies only to the earth? Or are they aliens? Uh, do they, are they from another dimension? What is, what is this other dimension that we're in? Is it... Uh, I don't know. I, that's, that's the question I would ask because I think it's something you have to know as you're writing it. Uh, yeah. Excellent. Excellent. Paul? Um, I would say don't, uh, don't be limited by what's in the traditional biblical stuff. I would kind of use it as a template. Yeah, I'm using that template right now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, for some of the ideas and, and such. But I, I wouldn't, especially in this story, it's extremely important not to dig into the dogma of things. Oh, I definitely, yeah, really. Because <laughs> otherwise, it will just get, it'll spin way the hell out of control in a, mm -hmm. in, in a heartbeat. And it will actually be very, very difficult for you to make any of this work. Yep. Um, so you're basically going to have to pick and choose what you want to go with. And that could actually be some of the jokes is, is Cindy and Luke, um, both of them discovering that uh, what they've been taught is not necessarily has anything to do with how, how things actually work. Yep. Um, and, and I think that that was, that's, that's something that uh, would, would actually give you a lot of, a lot of, a lot to play with there with the characters. Yeah. Oh, I definitely very much so very much so. Um, and, and for myself, Michael, uh, Anytime you start bringing in Judeo-Christian 
religion structured dogma, as, as Paul said, um, you're 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 invoking a lot of baggage on your reader's side. Uh, mm-hmm. Readers come to the table with a lot of preconceptions and a, and a, a whole wealth, uh, a diversity, a spectrum of them. Um, this can be a lot of different stories, and it, it is totally your story. This can this can be a, a, a very cool uh, uh, demons and angels and and magic and power and and uh, a hero's quest that that leads at the end to to you know triumph of the heroes. Maybe that's not good over evil, but the heroes over their antagonists, the ultimate achievement of their goals. Um, but I think there's also a, a profound opportunity to explore what it is to be faithful uh, and explore the, the infinite shades of faith because Cindy has faith. Luke has lost his faith. Wrath has duty. Gabriel has ambition. Uh, 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 Lucifer has fear. Uh, uh, there, are, there are some key elements that you've crafted into these characters that creates a very dynamic play uh, and and can serve for you as a writer and for us as a reader to really explore what does it mean in a larger sense and in a smaller sense, a personal sense, to be faithful, to be dutiful, to be loving. Uh, uh, and I'm not sure I'm articulating it well, but while while all the cool stuff and the prophecy and the stuff is going on, be mindful that you are playing in a very potent playground and there are opportunities to explore and and put forth perspectives uh by playing it by virtue of playing that playground that uh, that could really turn your story into into something maybe not better but very very different and very very cool does that make sense oh definitely yeah awesome very I do, cool. I do have one more party note if you haven't read it um you should pick up a copy of uh, good omens uh, by uh, Neil oh, yeah. Gaiman and Terry, Terry Pratchett, Pratchett because yeah. it completely oh. throws out of whack everything that's that's biblical. Yeah, and it's oh, cool. hilarious. Yep. Nice. Yeah, it's 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 Gaiman and Pratchett. You cannot oh, hey, possibly yeah. go wrong. <laughs> um, so, Michael, thank you, sir, very much. I know it's never easy uh, uh, to put your story out there for three strangers to to kick around a little bit, but we really appreciate it, man. Thank you. You're welcome. And here's the deal. Uh, when you write this bad boy and get it out there, whether it's an ebook or a, or a podcast or uh, a, a big six trade paperback, uh, let us know. We will bring you back and we will knight you. We will make <laughs> you a knight of the round table podcast. And, 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 yes, exactly. We've got swords, we've got fanfare, we've got cheering crowds. We will make all that happen. We will broadcast that episode and then frame your picture up on the website among the knights order. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Larry, my friend, thank you so much for coming and, and playing in our sandbox. This this has been a great deal of fun, and I, I really appreciate your 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 enthusiasm and your commitment to to playing around a little bit. Thank you very much, Dave. It's been great fun. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm going to say again, Paul, dude, it's been it's been great to share the mic with you, my friend. Thank you so much for stepping up and being our guest co-host for this episode. You're very welcome. I'm going to go get my drink on now. Because <laughs> he's free. He's free. Free, free. 
Uh, and dear friends, thank you as always for tuning in. We so greatly appreciate it. Um, feel free to spread the word about the Roundtable podcast. Let folks know that the awesomeness is going on. And hey, you know, if you've got a story and you're sitting there saying, God, I could, I could, I could do that, you know, you're absolutely right. You can. Uh, right up on the front page of the website, upper right corner, is the Be a Guest link. You can click that and submit your story idea. Uh, we'll bring you on. We'll get awesome guest hosts like Larry Santoro and maybe even Paul Cooley to come on. Uh, uh, there's a whole host of stellar luminaries out there that can help turn your story story into something fabulous the conversation continues on the the comments we've had some great conversations and dialogues in the comments section of the website and mike i'll make sure and let you know if any comments pop up there for you um drop us a line at the table at roundtablepodcast.com we love hearing from you and several of you have done so and we're very grateful ah wow this this has been awesome paul any any closing thoughts or observations about this this particular workshop uh, I think it's it's always interesting to me, obviously, when when uh, writers are going to explore uh, religion and, and history and everything else, and and so uh, <laughs> having having plunged myself into that uh, abyss more than once, I'd have to say <laughs> that uh, Michael, you're in for a hell of a ride, and I can't wait to see where you come out on it. Absolutely, <laughs> I couldn't agree more. All right, friends, uh, we're all sitting here sweat-soaked and, and exhausted, but, you know, in, in just a couple of days, this whole magic starts all over again. New guest hosts, new guest writers, new stories to workshop, new wonders to explore. We hope you'll join us. Uh, uh, until then, uh, Brian will always admonish you, and I will take up his, his charge and say, Go right. Go right. Yes, absolutely. And find, you find what you're looking for, guys. And if you look for good stuff, you will find it. I guarantee it. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. We will see you again in a couple of days. Until then, stay frosty, be awesome, and we will talk to you soon. Bye-bye. 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 Paul. Bye! <laughs> <laughs> This episode is copyrighted 2012 by the Roundtable Podcast and is released under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, share-alike license. That means don't sell it, but you can share it all you like. And you can even use pieces of it in your own derivative work, as long as you attribute us as the source and release the work under the same licensing terms. Theme music composed and performed by the talented Hepcats of Brotown. Gary Gold, David LaBroyere, Billy Nobel, and Matt O'Donnell. If you'd like to be a guest writer or guest host, or learn more about the Roundtable Podcast, please visit our website at www.roundtablepodcast.com or visit our Facebook page at facebook.com slash roundtablepodcast. Our Twitter tag is at writerspodcast or just send us an email at thetable at roundtablepodcast.com. Thanks for listening.